to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoman. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here as always with uh, fellow beat writer Abby Bitterman. And we are joined today by a special guest from the Waco Tribune Herald, John Werner. John, John, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, jumping on with us. Really uh, appreciate you uh, taking out the time. And uh, John, w- wanted to start off with with Baylor, and obviously talking to you about Baylor this entire segment, but um, specifically the job that Matt Rule's done, not just this year, but since he's arrived. What to you is the most impressive thing about what Matt Rule has been able to do to build this program back up from where they were just a few years ago? Well, to me, uh, even though they've done a remarkable job on the field, it's off the field. Uh, they just have a completely different culture uh, than they had before. Um, uh, Matt really stresses community service. A lot of guys are, are vol- volunteering for that kind of thing. Uh, I-, I think he tries to bring in high character guys, you know, because he-, he just doesn't want to, you know, deal with all the problems Baylor used to have. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they're really good students. They really stress education. Uh, but on the field, uh, I think they're way ahead of even he probably thought they'd be right now. Going from 1-11 uh, in 2017, made a big jump last year to 7-6, and six, uh, won the Texas Bowl over Vanderbilt. But, gosh, I don't think anybody thought they'd be 9-0 and right now. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, they've, they've won some, some really good road games at Kansas State, um, at TCU, at Oklahoma State. So it's a real surprise where they are right now. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that TCU game, and Baylor didn't didn't score a touchdown in in regulation time. Um, and I I saw that Matt Rule said that uh, you know that the defense was kind of kind of frustrated about that. Has he talked any more about you know what what the offense is looking to do to try to um, you know I guess get a touchdown in regulation and kind of Im- improve from where it was last huh. week. Yeah, yeah, well, the the big issue is the offensive line, and it's been a question mark all year. I mean, in some games it's been okay. It seems like they've gotten better as the game has gone on, but uh, uh, it's just been a problem. Uh, Charlie uh, Brewer really has to make plays on his own a lot. He has to scramble a lot, just kind of create things. He takes a lot of lot of hits, and uh, he's he's probably fortunate. You know, he hasn't been, you know, badly injured. So. Uh, yeah, the O line's a big thing because they've got the skilled people. They they have really good receivers. Denzel Mims, Tyquan Thornton, they're they're both really good. They're, the running backs are Jamichael Hasey's a, a real tough guy back there. John Lovett's a, a good alternate guy there. And uh, but yeah, it's just the O line, and uh, uh, they might be getting Connor Galvin back. Uh, he he was their starting left tackle. He got hurt and and uh, against Kansas State in the sixth game. And uh, they had to move uh, their right tackle, Casey Phillips, over to the left side. And, uh, you know, he's had some problems there. It's been a, a, a tough adjustment. So, you know, if they do get him back, he has been practicing. I think it will help because he could play left tackle, and then they might move Casey back to the right side where he was playing a lot better. In uh, John, obviously you talked about some of the reasons why, especially the offensive line, that uh, Baylor's offense – 
at least last week wasn't as potent as they've been at times, but it also seems like there's a been a home road split with them. You mentioned some of the big road wins that they've had and in their uh, some of their their biggest wins at Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Really, there are only two uh, Big 12 wins that were settled relatively comfortably. Everything else, I believe, was three points or fewer or in overtime. What's been the key to, to Baylor? Uh, I don't want to say struggles because they've won every game, but you know, not performing as well at home, or has it just been sort of the way that that schedule has fallen and the way that those games have fallen? Yeah, it's really strange the way that has worked out. But a, a big problem is they just haven't been getting off the very good starts. And uh, in the last two games, uh, they, let's see, they scored seven points in the first half against West Virginia, didn't score at all at TCU. So just starting uh, well is a problem for them. And it could become a real issue against Oklahoma because Oklahoma almost always starts fast. And uh, Coach Rule was saying Monday that uh, – you know, they just can't get buried early or they're going to have a real hard time digging out. So uh, I think that's the key. They seem to make pretty good in-game adjustments, but those starts have got to get better. You mentioned Denzel Mims before. I mean, what, what makes him just such a, such a good receiver for this team? Well, he's tall. Uh, he's experienced. uh uh, you know, he he was their leading receiver two years ago, and, and then uh, Jalen Hurd came in from Tennessee, and uh, they went more to Hurd last year. But, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Denzel was thinking, well, this is a senior year. He, he ne- needs to have a really good year to, uh, you know, maybe impress scouts and that kind of thing. And he really has. He, he's got he's got really good hands. Uh, he, he's, I think, I, yeah, 6'3 or so. Uh, and just can make a tough catch. And during a, a key situation, they're, they're probably going to go to him. He, he made a great catch in the second overtime from uh, Charlie, a uh, 20-yarder o- over the middle. He had to really reach high for it, and he was he was well-guarded too. Uh, so, you know, that that, uh, that gave him a touchdown there. And then, then he made a, a leaping four-yard catch against TCU in the third overtime, which uh, eventually won the game for them. But yeah, he, he's he's very good. He, he's experienced. Uh, he, he can be physical. He can catch the deep ball. He can catch it over the middle and make something out of it by running. And uh, yeah, he, he's just a real go-to guy for them. And John, on the other side of the ball, Baylor's defense has been so good this year. Uh, uh, one of probably the at least the top two in the Big Twelve, if not the best in the Big Twelve. Um, how have they been able to do that with even some of the injuries that they've had, including uh, Clay Johnston, who un- unfortunately, uh, I believe, is out for the season? Yes, yeah, he, he tore up his knee against Texas Tech. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, they, uh, well, they're very experienced over there. In 2017, uh, Baylor had a really depleted roster when Matt Rule took over. And a lot of those guys are just pressed into, into playing time. And, uh, you know, they weren't, a lot of them really weren't ready yet. And, you know, they made a lot of mistakes. They were, you know, really green back there. And, uh, but now they're, they've played a lot and they're, uh, they, they're really good. They know what to do. Um, you know, uh, coming into this year, Baylor's always low in the Big 12 in sacks and, uh, turnovers. And, and this year they're, they're near the top in, in both categories. Uh, and, you know, Baylor's defensive line is just, 
really been outstanding. Uh, James Lynch is an, an all-American type of guy. Uh, James Lockhart, their defensive end, is uh, having a really good year. And, and Bravion Roy is just a, a big, powerful guy in the middle who usually uh, takes up a couple blocks. So, uh, you know, those guys really have to be accounted for, and that's kind of enabled uh, their linebackers to make a lot of tackles. Uh, all three of their linebackers last week against TCU were in double-figure tackles, uh, including uh, Terrell Bernard, uh, who had 19, which is the most for a Baylor player since 2011. So, uh, yeah, he's he's done an unbelievable job. Cause he, uh, when Clay went down, uh, Terrell was an outside backer. He, he had had some experience playing the middle, but he was mostly an outside guy. So he had to move inside to take a, uh, over Clay's spot. And he, he's just been unreal. I mean, his first uh, game um, – Against Oklahoma State, he, he returned a, a fourth-quarter touchdown, a fumble for a touchdown. Uh, you know, then let's see, uh, I believe he's had 38 tackles in three games, a whole bunch for loss. He had, a, he had an interception against TCU. So he's just really stepped up, uh, just uh, done a great job for them. But that's kind of been the case with them. Somebody goes down, somebody else uh, steps in and does a really good job. And, John, I heard uh, Matt Rule talking a little bit about the difficulty in, in guarding CeeDee Lamb and how you go about that. What do you expect the, the Bears to do in that regard uh, on, on Saturday, trying to slow down uh, OU's best receiver? Yeah, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of confidence in Jamison Houston. He's a senior cornerback. He's he's a tall guy for a corner. Uh, I believe he's 6'2". And... Uh, I think he'll get the bulk of the the man coverage, but you know they'll probably be using some safeties to help out there. They play a, a three three five defense, so they've got uh, basically three safeties back there. Uh, Graylin Arnold's a really good player when he's healthy. He uh, he's been banged up, but he came back and played the whole game against TCU last week and had two interceptions. So uh, you know he'll probably help out some on him. Um, yeah, they'll have Chris Miller back. He uh, he had to sit out last week. He had he's had three targeting calls this year, so he was suspended against TCU. But he'll be back. So you know they, they should be in pretty good shape defensively. But you know defending Oklahoma is hard for anybody. I, I think the, the big thing they're going to worry about the most is, is uh, Jalen Hurts getting loose on runs. So John, um, with College Game Day coming down there. What's what's kind of the the mood in Waco and on the team um, about having ESPN College Game Day there this weekend? Yeah, they're really excited about it. I, I mean, the players they don't really have that much involvement mm-hmm. in it. Uh, it's mostly a fan deal. But you know, they're glad to be in the national spotlight, and of course, they want to show up and do a good job, and you know, play a really good game, and you know, give themselves a chance to beat Oklahoma. So, yeah, it's a big deal for them coming back, especially after everything that happened at Baylor previously. Because, you know, they, they look at this now as a new era. You know, the, the culture has changed. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they just want to make a good showing. All right, John, we'll uh, wrap up this segment there. But uh, wanted to uh, give you a chance tell tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and, and where they can read your work. Okay, it's uh, it's John Werner Trib. Uh, that's my Twitter handle, uh, and uh, just WacoTrib.com is the uh, is our uh, website. 
the newspaper. So, yeah, yeah, those two things. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be a really great atmosphere. It's going to be sold out. Uh, you know, probably a lot of Oklahoma fans here, too. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a good one on Saturday down there in Waco. 6.30 start, ABC for Oklahoma at Baylor. John, once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll uh, see you down there Saturday. Okay. Thank you all. Thank you. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with uh, Abby Betterman from The Oklahoman, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Betterman. And Abby, on Tuesday night, we found out the newest uh, college football playoff rankings. I don't know if it was a surprise at all, uh, but OU dropped a spot to number 10. Um, uh, Baylor dropped a spot to number 13. Again, to me, no real surprise. There was no team in front of either of those teams that I thought should have dropped behind. I know people uh, will obviously point to uh, Penn State and then obviously the two uh, one-loss Pac-12 schools, Utah especially among them, but uh, those two schools, or three schools, I guess, remain ahead of the Sooners. Alabama only drops to number five. What would you make of what we saw Tuesday night with the CFP rankings? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you got to have a place for Minnesota to go. They were they were back at number 17, I believe. So, you know, if they move up, then everyone's got to fall behind them. But I didn't think that, like you said, it was a big surprise for Oklahoma to fall back one spot. And, I mean, I know there are some other one-loss teams in front of them, specifically, you know, those two Pac-12 teams. But OU's win Saturday night could have easily been another loss. It wasn't very convincing. So I don't think the committee... I think I don't I don't think they should be penalized for an almost loss but also you know there's no real reward in in that kind of close win in my mind at least. Yeah, not really. I mean, uh, you know, Iowa State's a really good football team. Mm-hmm. Not going to take anything away from them, but at the same time, you know, uh you can't really reward that kind of finish. Uh, in, in a major way so not surprising to me I think uh, if you're an OU fan it's a little bit concerning that Alabama only drops to five although I think that as the resumes get fuller and certainly as we get into uh, championship weekend that assuming the way this plays out the way all of us expect it to which is LSU making the SEC championship game likely to play Georgia that uh, Alabama could drop even more there at the end, Alabama's uh, best win to this point is probably Texas A&M, either Texas A&M or Duke. Uh, Texas A&M was the only team that was ranked at the time that uh, they played as far as an Alabama win. Obviously, they played uh, uh, LSU, who's now number one as well. But they don't have you know this string of really big games. They finished the season at Mississippi State, who has been – uh, not good at all. Probably lost uh, the, to Kansas State. The, the next to last uh, worst team in the SEC. Uh, you know, right around there with Vanderbilt. I don't think there's any doubt right now that Arkansas is the worst team in the SEC. 
Uh, and then, having uh, watched them, I can say <laughs> that um, there shouldn't be a doubt. No, there there is no doubt. Uh, and then Western Carolina in their annual late November um, bloodletting game that uh, <laughs> Nick Saban will no doubt say something about rat poison or. Uh, Ten horns or something like that, because he always has something to say that week. As people sort of, uh, as the media there sort of expects them to to blow out the victory, and then obviously closing the season with Auburn in the Iron Bowl, that is a chance for a really good win for them. But uh, Alabama's schedule doesn't have nearly as much teeth as they normally do, and I think this season could be the year that that costs them when you talk about making a, a playoff per- berth. Because I think. Certainly one of those one-loss teams in the Pac-12, if they're able to uh, beat the other in the championship game, they would have a really, really good case to leapfrog Alabama. And I think the same thing for for Oklahoma, if they're able to do that, uh, just based on the way that their schedule uh, winds up. Yeah, they have they have two as it stands right now. If it stays like this, they have two uh, top twenty five opponents in front of them in Baylor, obviously this weekend, and the newly ranked Oklahoma State uh, after Thanksgiving. So they and and you know Texas is is in the rankings now, so that's that's another top twenty five win for them um, as as it stands right now. So I think that. You know, half the half the Big Twelve is ranked right now, and I feel like that really says something. Yeah, it certainly speaks to the way this league is perceived as far as depth nationally. Having uh, OU there at number ten, Baylor at thirteen, and then uh, let's see, Texas at nineteen, uh, Oklahoma State twenty-two, and Kansas State twenty-four. Is a little bit surprised to see Kansas State hold on, but certainly what they've done has been pretty impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's a healthy respect for the Big 12, but at the same time, I don't know if that's going to be enough because mm-hmm. if they're able to to win out, which would include a win over Baylor this weekend, who do you play in the Big 12 championship game? Is it Baylor again? Is it Texas? Is it somebody else? Um, and, and how highly are they going to be ranked to help you? You know, it's funny – we talked to Lincoln Riley about this on Wednesday night that Oklahoma might be better served to win this game on Saturday close and keep Baylor pretty highly regarded going into the rest of the season uh, rather than blowing him out and then people sort of ride off the Bears as sort of a fluke after their non-conference schedule was not strong at all and after they've withstood uh, you know some really big challenges over these first nine games of the season, but somehow, some way, have found out a way to to come out undefeated. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the healthy respect for the Big Twelve, and I think that that you know has a thing that in recent years hasn't always been as as strong because it's usually been like Oklahoma and one other team, head and shoulders really above the rest. But you know, Lincoln Riley has uh, talked a lot about the increasing amount of like parity in this league, and I think that. It kind of shows in these rankings, but yeah, I, I guess yeah, if their season you know plays out the way OU wants it to, then I guess truly that really does leave the question of how many how many of those teams are still in the top twenty five come the come the final ranking. Yeah, because that's that's an issue because Oklahoma still has one of or two of them in front of them in Baylor and Oklahoma State. They've obviously already beat uh, Texas and lost to Kansas State, so. That'll be something uh, to watch the rest of the way. 
Abby, for you right now, what would your top four be uh, hmm. as far as uh, college football playoff rankings? I mean, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, well, oh, sorry. Not in that order. <laughs> Whoa, not in up. that order. Not in that order. I think you forgot someone. I was just, I was just naming schools. Uh, not in order. Yeah, we do rankings by order. Yeah, that makes more sense. So LSU, obviously, okay. I like they. They to me tick all all the boxes, um, and then Ohio State and Clemson, and then for number. Hmm. Yeah, the can first remind, three are can easy. You, can you remind me who Oregon lost to? I can't remember. Uh, Oregon lost moment. to Auburn in uh, hmm. the first game of the season. Then I mm. Oregon lost to Auburn 27-21. Uh, notable wins that they've had uh, so far really Cal, Washington, uh, and USC. Hmm. They play Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon State to end the season. See that Georgia loss to South Carolina though keeps looking worse and worse to me. You think it? I, I mean, I don't know that it looks any worse i think when you look in uh a little bit more at south carolina's schedule mm-hmm. um i don't think it looks quite as bad as maybe you would you would think on the, the surface clearly you know south carolina has struggled they've lost to they lost to north carolina in the opener they've lost to alabama missouri florida tennessee uh, appalachian state now have they been a powerhouse no i mean you know they they certainly uh, don't, but at the same time, that's a pretty tough schedule overall. I mean, it's miles tougher than anything Alabama's played. Mm-hmm. You know, to have their South Carolina's late season non conference game that they played to be Appalachian State when uh, Alabama's playing, you know, uh, Western Carolina. Um, you know, they obviously got beat by a Tennessee team. Tennessee's played better lately, but still Tennessee not very good at all. But they hung with Florida. Uh, they they lost to Alabama by 24. So I don't think that that loss looks as bad as some of the other losses. Uh, you know, clearly there can be a discussion over how much that should hurt them. But I think, to me, wins are so much more important than losses um, because, one, you should have more of them. And uh, ideally, if, you should have more well, yeah. of them. But if if you're Alabama, if your best argument is who you lost to and how you lost, you don't really have an argument at all. You've got to beat teams. Yes. And they just their schedule to me doesn't warrant them. I think I ranked them seven uh, last week. Uh, oh yeah, Alabama to me is not is not in my conversation for who should be in the top four. For sure. What are your top four? I don't think well, I really gave my fourth, but... You didn't really give your fourth. Uh, I would... Uh, give your fourth, and then I'll uh, answer mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Oregon, just to keep it interesting. <laughs> okay. So, to me, top two are easy. Uh, LSU, Ohio State. I think reasonable people can disagree on the order there. Ohio State versus LSU. But LSU, I think, with uh, the wins that they have to... Uh, to have that win at Alabama, which is very impressive. It's been a long time since Alabama lost at home. That Texas win, which had sort of dipped in uh, prestige over the last month or so, is starting but now to look, back in the top start, 25. Starting to look better and better. And then to beat Florida and Auburn uh, over the last month, I think 
they their schedule to me warrants them being number one. I wouldn't argue with anybody who decided that the Buckeyes should be number one, but those to me are very clear top one and two. Clemson, I think, is a pretty clear number three at this point. And, you know, I went with Minnesota because that win against Penn State Golden Gophers. was, you know, one of the mo- most impressive wins this season. I think you could make an argument that it's the second most impressive win uh, among these teams that we're talking about. Uh, behind LSU's win over Alabama. So, um, you know, we'll see what Penn State is a little bit more over this next uh, few weeks. We'll see what Minnesota is a little bit more over these next few weeks as they have Iowa, then then go to Northwestern, who has struggled this year, and then finish their season at home against Wisconsin. But uh, if they're able to get through that gauntlet, I think they've got as good an argument as any uh, to uh, make the college football playoff, and then obviously they would have to play Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, which would be phenomenally fun yes. uh, to, to watch. But to me, very clear who the top three are, and then there's a lot of teams there. You know, really from uh, you know four to ten right now, and then I would throw in Baylor in that conversation certainly if they keep winning. Uh, who can make a legitimate argument for a playoff berth. We haven't seen a two-loss team make the playoffs, so that will be interesting to watch over these next few weeks. But every year we think, oh, you know, we could see the doomsday scenario, and it never comes because weird stuff happens in college football in November. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that one or two of those teams are going to get knocked out. But we're going to wrap it up. the great debate over <laughs> who should be four is always fun. Exactly. It's always fun. But we're going to wrap up uh, this segment there. Uh, please don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store, Google Podcast app, or wherever you listen uh, to your podcast. We sure do appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's. Uh, I'm w- once again, I'm your host Ryan Aber here with uh, Abby Bitterman and uh, a- Abby. Let's start off uh, as we do every week uh, by taking some mailbag questions. Yes, you- all the mailbag questions <laughs> that we have. Um, I guess the first question, the first question we have here is: Do you think that the um, the interception at the end of the game by Parnell Motley, even though it doesn't count as a takeaway in the record books, do you think that it will um, kind of open the floodgates for OU's defense? You know, I'm going to write some about this in in Saturday's Oklahoma and previewing Saturday's game. And, you know, I, I think it can have a little bit of a freeing effect because there's so been so much focus on turnovers and why Oklahoma hadn't been able to finish, especially with the interceptions with you know the the earlier drop by Parnell Motley in Saturday's game. He's had a couple of those. Trey Brown has had a couple of them as well. And you know, sometimes when you find a way to get one, and especially one that's sort of just uh, scratching and clawing like Parnell Motley's interception uh, on that two point conversion was, I think sometimes that can take a little bit of a pre- little bit of pressure off the defense, and maybe can lead to some more things. Turnovers are are so much about luck, but there's obviously a lot of other in fact factors involved. 
I think this team just needs to go sort of play and play freely, and maybe that play and the way it happened uh, can can open them up to do that and and open them up to some more. I don't think this is ever going to be an elite team as far as forcing turnovers, but clearly they can force more. I mean, I don't think, at least in the last 20 seasons, there's never been a stretch where they haven't had a turnover in even three consecutive games, and now we're up to five with this group. So at some point that stretch has got to end, and and I think there's a good chance that it ends Saturday in Waco. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I think at some point it just becomes kind of like a mental thing where turnovers have been the focus the whole season, and the more you don't get turnovers, the more – the more they seem not to come. So I think that, you know, now that they have not an official one, but a turnover in some sense, I think that I think that it could help. Yeah, and of course the, the other part of that is the fact that they need to focus on the tackling aspect mm-hmm. of things because that got away from them on Saturday against Iowa State as well. So, and that's got to be better this weekend. If they're going to beat Baylor – They've got to tackle better than they did last week, and I, I I think that certainly Alex Grinch understands that. I have no doubt that the emphasis is in the right place with that group, but at some point you got to get it done on the field, and they haven't been able to do that uh, to to this point. Um, so, so we'll see, you know, what the outcome is Saturday in that regard. All right, our next question comes from my dad, always having questions. Um, <laughs> Why can't Jalen Hurts throw the ball out of bounds when he has no play? I think this is in reference to that fourth quarter uh, interception that, you know, led to the Sooners being in a position where Parnell Motley had to intercept a two-point conversion. Yeah, you know, Jalen Hurts has made a lot of really good decisions this year, but he's made Mm -hmm. some that leave you scratching your head. That was certainly one of them. And I think sometimes, and I asked Lincoln Riley about this on Wednesday, we were talking about why Oklahoma's offense tends to disappear at times, and um, that's something that really they haven't done over the last couple years, the last few years since Lincoln Riley had been there. This year, it seems like there's many more lulls offensively than there have been. And I, the way I phrased the question was, outside of execution, which we know is is the case, you know what goes on. And one of the things that he said is team uh, players are pressing uh, too much when. Things don't go their way, and I think it's because, and Lincoln Riley brought this up, because their offense is so prolific and they score so much that when they don't score on a drive, it's seen as such a disappointment. And that's I'm not talking externally. I'm talking internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they feel like the next time out, they've got to make up for it. And, and I think there's some of that that has gone on, that if they don't score – they feel like they've got to make up for it on the next drive, and what that leads to is a series of drives where they struggle rather than it just being a one-off thing. So Lincoln Riley said that's something that they've got to manage better, and I, I think certainly in Jalen Hurts' case, he's pressed some at times, and mm-hmm. I, I think we saw that on that particular throw uh, against the Cyclones. Yeah, I think that, you know, it also he also seems to want to not, you know, just get – get rid of the ball or he doesn't he doesn't like to slide he likes to run hard so 
that'll that'll so throwing the ball away to me is something that we also just in general not even on that place or in that situation specifically but in general doesn't really seem like a thing that Jalen Hurts is is prone to do yeah no doubt about that um Abby one uh mailback question I got is about the running backs how much more of a role do you expect Ramondre Stevenson and Trey or uh, TJ Pleasure to have in the wake of uh, Trey Sermon's injury? I would I would think that their roles would have to increase, um, especially as you know they try to get the running backs more and in, more involved. Now, um, TJ Pleasure did have a carry uh, against Iowa State after Trey Sermon went down. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, I, ooh, I should have pulled it up. I can't. Think I can of tell the, you. Right I can't now. think of the last uh, time when Stevenson had one carry, one carry for twelve yards uh, in that game. Oh yes, yes, that's right. Um, but yeah, did he? I don't think he played at all against Kansas State. Is that correct? Or or if he um, did, he, he didn't didn't, uh, didn't have a carry. Yes. Yes, he uh, could have been on the field. For sure. But I think he was on the field a little yeah. bit, but uh, did not have a carry in that game. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, I would expect them, especially Ramondre Stevenson, who's shown that he can, you know, go, like bust out a big run. Uh, I think that I would expect them to have more of a role as they try to find another person to come in and fill the role of Trey Sermon now that he's out for the season. Yeah, I think clearly Kennedy Brooks is going to take up the majority of those mm-hmm. carries, that, that he's going to be the workhorse uh, type of guy in the backfield, although this team really hasn't needed a workhorse running back to this point. But Kennedy Brooks with 15 carries the other day was, uh, I believe, it was the most that a single tailback had had in this offense this season. But I, I think Ramondre Stevenson is a guy especially who's going to uh, see some more carries and uh, – and and play a bigger role here, although I think Kennedy Brooks takes up the majority of that time. All right, so, Abby, uh, time to talk about our picks. You did not pick a tie this week. I did not. Although, once again, I said it on the postgame pod. I said it on Twitter. I'll say it again. Probably the closest anyone came to picking that correct score of the game. Well, yeah, I mean, unless they got it directly exactly correct of course but i know it can't end in a tie (laughs) yeah there's no such thing as ties in college football it was a tie so what do you got for saturday though this saturday not a tie um i have ou winning uh 42 to 35 which is just one point off the score that i picked 41 to 35 uh, I look for Gabe Burkich to get a couple of uh, field goals there in the game, but I think Oklahoma is going to score uh, a pretty fair amount against the Bears. I think the Bears are going to score a pretty fair amount mm-hmm. against the Sooners, and it's going to be close. I think uh was a little bit surprised at that uh, spread uh, of 10.5, especially given the way that uh, both these teams have played recently, but uh, should be a, an interesting one down there in Waco and uh, – Let's see, what else interesting do we have going on Saturday? Uh, Texas Tech-TCU is a a game that has a a lot of people split. I think uh, out of our six pickers, three went with TCU straight up, three went with Texas Tech. TCU, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Uh, you and I both both went Tech, right? right? Yeah, both of us picked uh, the Red Raiders uh, to come out with the victory 
me, I think a seven-point game, you a one-point game. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch, especially now that we know Jet Duffy is going to be the Red Raiders quarterback the rest of the year after Alan Bowman mm-hmm. uh, decided to redshirt. Yeah, for sure. And then I think that another interesting game is going to be uh, Texas-Iowa State. Uh, yeah, which we thought was going to be the Big 12's game of the year probably uh, going into the season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, inter- I think to me interesting to see that Iowa State is favored. Um, kind of just a reminder of how the Texas team that we all thought at the beginning of the season was going to be like it, like – challenging probably honestly challenging Oklahoma for the the top spot in the conference has not had the season that I think anyone expected it to yeah I don't think there's any doubt about that but if Texas is able to win this game then they're right there in the thick of the the hunt for the other uh berth in the Big 12 title game so that's going to be really interesting to watch on Saturday as well was a little bit surprised that nobody picked Iowa to beat Minnesota uh, Iowa. I was surprised that Iowa was favored. Well, uh, uh, I mean by two and a half. But. Yeah, it's it's a close margin. That game is uh, in Iowa City, so that's going to be interesting to see how Minnesota responds after beating Penn State a week ago. I was a little bit surprised to see Iowa favored in that game, but I think that just sort of shows this could be sort of a dangerous game for for the Gophers. But if they're able to get past this one, then all of a sudden. Uh, you know their goals get much more realistic um some other uh interesting games i think to me maybe the most interesting outside of that could be indiana at penn state indiana has performed pretty well and uh, let's see how penn state responds to their first loss of the season if they deserve to be still pretty highly ranked or if that sort of sends them into a tailspin so it should be a fun fun week of college football on Saturday, we'll be in Waco for Oklahoma at Baylor once again, 6.30 p.m. on ABC. We'll be there uh, sure with will. with coverage and then with back Barry Trammell. With, a, yeah, with Barry Trammell uh, in tow. And then we'll be back with another edition of the post-game Sooners Extra podcast. But uh, thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast from the Oklahoman. You can reach out to me through email, R-A-B-E-R, at Oklahoman.com, on Twitter, at R-Y-A-B-E-R, Abby. I'm on Twitter, at Abby underscore Bitterman, and uh, through email, a bitter man at oklahoman.com and the sooners extra podcast is presented each week by zaxby's satisfy your craving for hand breaded chicken and fresh made salads stop by your neighborhood zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast you can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the oklahoman for the best OU coverage anyway.